honestly nothing like standing on a podium i didn't i didn't really know what to think of it i've just watched it on tv and was kind of envious of the people that you know got to compete in the olympics but wow i there was a, a huge surge of like emotions going through me once i got to step on the podium Welcome to the Just Women Sports Podcast, where we talk to the biggest athletes in the world about the untold stories behind their success. I'm Kelly O'Hara, and my guest today is Nellie Corda. Nellie Corda is one of the best women's golfers in the world right now, and at just 23 years old, has already climbed to the heights of her sport. Since qualifying for the US Women's Open, when she was just 14 years old, Nellie has won six times on the LPGA Tour, including this year's Women's PGA Championship, for her first ever major win. This summer, she became the first player to ever win a major and the Olympics in the same year, taking home individual gold at the Tokyo Olympics. She's already making history and she's still just getting started. Nelly, welcome to the show. Thank you, thanks for having me. How you doing? You you just, you had um, practice this morning. So how's, how's life for you right now? It's good, yeah. Just- had a little bit of a grind sesh this morning, um, and nice. then I'm gonna go back out after and practice again. It's my life. There you go. And then yeah, go to that, workouts. <laughs> <laughs> that is the life of a professional athlete. Yeah. Well, you grew up in a family of athletes. Your parent, both your parents were professional tennis players. Your younger brother Sebastian is a professional tennis player. Your older sister Jessica plays with you on the LPGA tour. So, what was it like? growing up in the Corda household? Uh, very sport oriented. Yeah. <laughs> um, sport was life. Uh, no, it was actually a lot of fun. You know, Jess is five years older. So she, in 2011, she started playing out on tour. And my brother and I are just two years apart. So um, we were really close growing up. Obviously, I've gotten really close to Jess now being on tour with her. But honestly, it was really normal growing up. We our parents made sure that we were very active. So we were, um, they put us in a lot of sports. My brother actually played hockey, was pretty serious about it. And then all of a sudden switched to tennis, but um, felt bad for my mom because she was the one running around with all of us, like taking us from sport to sport since my dad was on tour with my sister starting in 11. Oh my gosh. So you said you you played a bunch of different sports growing up, Mm -hmm. but you started playing golf seriously at six years old. So like, what does that, what does serious golf at six years old look like? Because I, I like, obviously I'm a professional soccer player, but I played soccer starting at four and I wouldn't say I wasn't, I wasn't super serious about it until, you know, teenage years. So a six, like a serious six-year-old golfer, what does that look like? I think it's just more of like I started taking lessons at mm, six. Okay. So I started kind of learning the basics, technique and such. I started actually like not just doing what I wanted to do <laughs> at golf, you know, just being a little kid. So I started having a little bit of more structure starting at six. But I started playing uh, tournaments at nine. So I think maybe I started taking it really seriously at nine. But six is when I started taking lessons. Well was it about golf that made you or that drew you to it because if you played a bunch of different sports you know both your parents being professional tennis players how did you not end up in tennis and you were you ended up in golf so uh, my parents actually they never pushed us to play tennis actually the opposite that I don't think they really wanted us to play tennis in a sense Um, I think when my dad retired he 
um, picked up golf and he really enjoyed it because Jess was already probably, she was probably like five or six by then. So I think it was something we could have done as an entire family instead of like tennis. It's more of really like a one-on-one sport. So I think it was like the family bonding time aspect. I think that really pulled us towards golf. Um, but then again, um, I was that little annoying sister to my big sister. So I had to do everything big sister did. I love that. I, I have an older sister. Yeah. She's um, yeah. 16 months older than me. And I feel the same way. Like my, my <laughs> mom, we both made our respective age groups our first year when we tried out for club soccer. But my mom told the coach, she was like, no, they're on the same team. Kelly's playing up here because <laughs> I'm not driving to different practices. So I always wanted to be like my older sister doing what she was doing. So I totally get that. Um, So at what point in your childhood did you realize, like you said, you know, you started taking lessons at six, you entered competitions when you were, or tournaments when you were nine. At what point were you like, okay, I'm an above average golfer for my age. Like I I could be pretty good at this. Honestly, I would say when I made it to the US Open at um, when I qualified when I was 14, that's kind of, that's one where I decided like, oh, this is like really cool. Like, I really want to do this for the rest of my life. Like, this is this could be a really cool goal to make it out on tour. And kind of that's where I realized in a sense that I was good enough and that, you know, I may have something special in golf <laughs> in a sense. Totally. So and you qualified for the U.S. Women's Open. You're 14 years old. So first of all, mm-hmm. you did it a year younger than Jessica did, which did well, you? Well, this is where we argue. This is where we argue. Okay, I love she this. was I love born. This. She's born in February, and I'm born in July. And I'm pretty sure we played this the tournament. She was 15, and I was 14, but we played the tournament beginning of July. So I was, theoretically, like it's we pretty much qualified at the same age, but. I still have that 14. <laughs> Theoretically, yes, but technically, yeah, yeah you've got 14 yeah. and she's got 15. That's so good. Yeah. So um, can you talk a little bit about what went into qualifying for the U.S. Women's Open? So um, it's a 36-hole qualifier. It's probably the longest day ever. I tried qualifying two times before and I didn't do it and then um, I went to a different site. There's like a bunch of sites now, actually, even all over the world. I think they have a couple in Asia and maybe one or two in Europe, but most of them are in the U.S. Um, it's one day, 36 holes. And obviously, um, it depends on the strength of field. If there's one or two, sometimes there's three spots, depending on how big the field is. But yeah, it's the best score for 36 holes. You go off really early and then you don't finish till darkness and it's a really, really long day. That's crazy. So you said that you tried qualifying for two years and then you you got it in that third year when you attempted it. It could be actually my second, yes, because I tried qualifying. My sister always qualified at this one site here on our side of Florida and I wasn't too big of a fan of the golf course, I guess, who could not shoot a good score. And then I just went over to the other side of Florida, tried something new. My dad and I went and I actually got medalist honors too. So I played really well. And it was honestly, I was on a high then. It was really cool just getting to qualify for it. Yeah. And so you're 14 years old. This is just like mind blowing to me. 14 years old (laughs) and you're playing in a major against 
adults, full-blown adults. So like for you, what was that like? Cause that was your first time playing in a major and you're, you're 14. Like you're, you're, you're just probably entering high school at that point. It was great because I played the practice rounds. I played one practice round with Michelle Lee and Jess. All my practice rounds were with Jess because she was kind of, she was big sister. She was showing me the ropes of everything. So, but then I played another practice round with Nyan Choi, who I think was a defending champion. So that was really cool. So just getting yeah. to kind of step foot on the range of kind of like, in a sense, like the girls you've been watching on TV and kind of looking up to, I think that's kind of, I was just soaking up the experience as much as possible. I think that's what kind of um, I enjoyed the most. And obviously I made the cut, but I made it on the number. I had a great round the first day. And then I think the nerves kind of set in the second day. Um, but I made the cut too. So that was really cool getting to play all four days. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, mm -hmm. I can't imagine being that age and having to have like the mental fortitude to play against very experienced players and you were probably the youngest player there at that tournament at the time. Yeah. And it's, to me, it's crazy because I think there's been a younger girl. There has been younger girls. I mean, Lexi, she qualified, I think at 12, you know, that's crazy. Oh to me. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. That's so crazy. So, okay. So you, you, you qualify for your first major, you're 14 years old. Mm -hmm. Then you go on 2015 you, as an amateur, you won the 2015 Harder Hall Invitational, the 2015 Ping Invitational, and was a 2015 AJGA Rolex Junior All-American. So mm -hmm. you're like absolutely crushing it at this point. And you kind of said, you know, at, at 14, when you made that first major, that was when you kind of, you felt, oh, I could, I could go pretty far. So is this around the time that you're like, oh, I have the it factor like this. I, I could be world number one at some point. Yeah. I mean, I definitely didn't think I could be world number one. It was more like, oh, like I would love to get on the LPGA tour and see how that goes. But it wasn't easy at all. Like I qualified for that open in 2013. And then 2014, I was playing so bad, like mm -hmm. on the AJGA circuit. I was I was shooting 80 in tournaments and I was like, okay, like, you know what, maybe professional golf isn't for me. Like you always really? just go up and down. Yeah. Like, you know, you're, you're struggling. I switched coaches and this coach like completely, completely changed my golf game. Um, what was it yeah. about the coach? It was every, um, his personality. I had a really bad coach before him and I kind of, in a sense, kind of like lost the love. Mm for in the game because a team is really important like having someone there for you is super important but I got I had this new coach his name is David Whelan and completely changed my golf swing completely revamped my short game like everything was different and obviously it takes some time so it wasn't good at the start but then like once I saw kind of everything come together it was like I was winning here. I was winning there. Like I used to never win on the AJGA and all of a sudden, like I was winning every tournament that I played in theoretically. And I was like, okay, wow. Like I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, maybe it's time to take the next step. And um, yeah, that's, I guess that's where I decided after that, after those couple wins where that I wanted to um, try out for Q school and get on tour. So can you explain what trying out for Q school is? 
Yes. So I have a little bit of a different story. So um, to enter Q school, you have to be 18 years old. And when I petitioned our commissioner, who was Mike Wan at the time, I was 16. And I petitioned for Symmetritor because if I petitioned to go as a 17 year old, I would have been 17 at the time. He would never accept, accept me because I'm just too young. Um, and then it kind of opens the door for other people to be like, oh, like Nellie got an exemption. Why can't we? So they try to keep it very tight. So I, um, I petitioned for Symmetritor. I got accepted. I played first and second stage. First stage is in Palm Springs, California. It consists of like 300 girls and probably 60 get through to second Dang. stage. Yeah. And then I played second stage and that was it for me. There, I was not allowed to, go, there's three stages and I was not allowed to go to third stage because I'm only playing for um, Symmetritor. And if you make it through like, let's say second stage, then you have full status. And I won second stage. So I had full status going into the next year of Symmetra and the reason why I picked going to Symmetra over, let's say, a year of college is because I could get the experience of playing every single week, you know, traveling, kind of getting um, getting used to kind of being on by myself and life on tour, figuring out, like, what's best for me instead of just jumping straight into the LPGA, which is hard because there's way more pressure. So like this, Symmetra was just in the U.S., um, I could travel sometimes by car. I was with my dad mostly that year. And honestly, I wouldn't have picked it any other way. It's very, it's very hard out there because all these girls are super hungry to, um, get out on tour. You know, you have only 10 cards for the whole year. So you have to finish in the top 10 on the money list to just get your tour card, or you have to go back to third stage. So no one wants to go back to Q school because that's just like awful <laughs> Q school yeah. and like, all of the nerves is just it's you're fighting for a job so it's totally yeah so honestly it made me appreciate everything so much more i kind of learned more about myself playing week in and went out week out so i was super grateful to spend that year on symmetra finished ninth on the money list i was actually 12th going into the final event of the year on the money list and i shot 66 on the final day to jump from 12th to ninth. so that weight after everyone had to finish was crazy. Like my heart was racing and yeah. Was that was, kind of my was story. That of, was that one of the longest waits of your golf career? For sure. I still remember sitting outside with my family and it was so funny. Like my dad doesn't really get emotional, but once we heard my dad just like got really emotional and that made me emotional too. Oh, that's so special. So yeah. Okay. And so what did high school look like for you because you're basically a full blown like almost full blown professional at this point or you're, you're you're living like you are you know you're training like you are you're you're playing like you are so mm -hmm. was it homeschool what was it yeah so actually um i had a normal middle school i went from 8:30 to 3 almost every single day sometimes i would get out early to go practice um but High school was, I actually went, um, I, it was on, it was pretty much homeschool, but I went to a tutoring center to take my tests. So I had a proctor, made sure my parent, my parents made sure that we weren't cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, so I had a proctor, obviously. <laughs>
uh, proctor to watch over all my tests and obviously get tutored because you can't do everything yourself. Um, and then my senior year, I actually finished that on tour on Symmetra. So wow. the week I won, I won one event out there and I actually finished my English honors class that week, the Monday of that week. And I think I just felt so much relief that I just went out and won. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so you 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 just talked about a little bit, but you you obviously you're on Symmetra tour. You get your card for LPGA tour for 2017. You go into 2017 onto the LPGA tour. Did you have any like welcome to the big leagues moments during your first year on the tour? Because you're you're what seven eighteen seventeen eighteen at this point playing with. No. I was already 18. So yeah. I've been like 18. I was 18, 19 that year. Okay. Honestly, I was super, super lucky because Jess and has, was on tour already starting in 2011 that like yeah. I would go out to a couple of events and I knew all the girls and I kind of knew what was going on already then. So for me, it was just like, oh, I'm just joining the club in a sense. Like um, I'm going to hang out with my sister every week. Um, no, I, I loved it. Um, my first year on tour was definitely some learning curves and then I had some highs, some lows, but that's everyone's kind of first year. You're kind of figuring yourself out as well. Um, but it was a lot of fun. We started out the year in Bahamas, which was super cool, um, super pretty. I finished, I think, fifth. So that was really cool. First time I beat my sister. Woohoo. Um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fun. It feels like forever ago now, honestly. On this podcast, we celebrate women who boldly blaze a trail on and off the field. These are athletes who have changed the game for good. That's why this week, the Just Women Sports Podcast, alongside our presenting sponsor, Wiss, wanted to take a moment to recognize the bravery and power of the athletes of the NWSL who are speaking out against player abuse. This past year has shed a light on some of the darkest parts of this game, unfortunately. But thanks to the courage of these athletes, we have begun to dismantle a toxic system and rebuild a league that puts players first. I wanna take a chance to recognize all those that have stood up before and those who continue to speak out for change. It's athletes like you who are changing this game for the next generation. So you won your first um, LPGA tour title in 2018, and this win made you and your sister the third pair of sisters to win in LPGA history. So what did your first tour win feel like for you so no one was there my sister wasn't there i think she was <laughs> struggling with an injury so oh my gosh uh, i just remember her, one of our friends I, I had a i had a lot of friends waiting for me on 18 which was really nice and just was on facetime and she was bawling like her mascara was everywhere this is adorable was really oh my God, cool I love it. um yeah I mean, I was by myself, but it was super cool. Um, just being able to kind of check that off your butt bucket list. Sometimes you get out there and like you go through the highs and the lows and you're like, you mean, like, I feel really close. Like these girls are so good. Like, will I be able to win? Like, will I be able to pull it off? Like I have three really good days and then I have a bad day. Like, am I going to go through the stress? Like, will I actually be able to pull it off? So just kind of reassuring yourself that you can um, was really really important for me yeah for sure that's i mean it's super cool also kind of sad that no one 
was there, but good thing that you had I know. on 18. Yeah, oh, exactly. Um, and then, so in 2019, you won the Women's Australia Open, which I loved mm -hmm. reading this, completed an unusual family slam. So your father won yeah. the 1998 Australian Open singles and tennis. Jessica won Women's Australia Open in 2012. Your brother, Sebastian, won the junior title at the 2018 Australia Open. So like, I was just like, that's one of the coolest stats I think I've ever read during this podcast. Did you go into that being like, oh, if I do this, it's kind of completing this family slam. Like, was that in the back of your mind that all of your, pretty much all of your family members had won in Australia? Yeah, honestly, every year I went to Australia, I was like, I felt so much pressure, <laughs> so much pressure to just out every single time I was like, I was, the, I'm the only one that doesn't have an Australian open title. Like this kind of sucks. And then I actually, the year I won, I started off with three bogeys in a row and I turned to my caddy and I was like, you know, it's just not, it's not going to happen. Like, I'm just giving up on this. Like, it's just not going to happen. And then I just went on a complete run and I won. And I was just like, maybe I should have like this uh, attitude every week. <laughs> That's incredible. That's yeah, fun. It was really oh, cool. So I have a family, family question for you. Do you, do you feel like your parents being professionals had a big influence on you being able to be a professional at such, such a young age? just because they understood, you know, what goes into it mentally, emotionally, physically, like all those things. I just feel like having two professional athletes as parents would contribute to helping their kids understand like what, what it actually takes. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like my dad still does my scheduling. He knows, you know, you got to look after your body. Like he knows when you need to just, go and grind and when you just need to take a step back and you need to relax because it's so easy to get burnt out so yeah. my parents are still they're still super involved in all of our lives like obviously on and off the golf course um, my parents are my brother's coaches still and there are go-to's for everything it was crazy because like I started traveling because my parents are from Prague, Czech, Czech Republic, until I was like about nine, we used to spend six months in the States, six months in Europe. And um, I just got really accustomed to traveling. Like I knew where everything was. Like I think at the age of like 13, 14, I didn't even need my parents. I just like left them behind after they were, in, and I just went to my gate. Like I knew everything. So yeah. I love traveling. I knew every, uh, like, so like that aspect, I think um, helped me a lot too. But when it comes to like, they know when, so when someone's down, you know, how to cheer them up. They know you, when you need to take a step back and um, it's really nice to kind of like bounce ideas off of them. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's, it's interesting to hear you say like, they know when to grind and then when to kind of take some time off just because I feel like they've been through it. They, they, they know what that's like, whereas a lot of parents in the athletic world who maybe never did it. They're, they're almost like the state parents. They push their children, that sort of thing. So it's cool to so hear. So that's where the burnout things in. Yeah, totally. And they don't get it. And therefore, but like your parents had been through that. So they knew it. And I feel like that probably contributes so much to allowing you to like flourish when you needed to and when you could, and then take the time when it wasn't necessary to like be grinding, which I think is super cool and yeah. probably very special, and a big part of like, yeah, like your success. 
I had like three weeks off one time. My dad was like, just get out of here. Like you need to go on vacation, like go. Leave. Nice. And I'm like, I'm in the middle of my season. Like, what are you talking about right now? And he's like, no, like you need to go. <laughs> That's incredible. So, I love that. I love yeah. hearing that. That's so good. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. Well, you've had a historic 2021, like, which is reading about it has been amazing. And I watched you win in Tokyo. So I'm curious about leading into 2021. 2020 was obviously a super hard year for a lot of people. Pandemic, it looked different for um, so you know all different people. So what was 2020 like for you? And do you feel like whatever happened in 2020 set you up for the success that you've had now in 2021? I think 2020 had a lot of mixed emotions for me. Um, we were actually one of the first sports to get back into it um golf you know we had no fans which kind of kind of sucked in a sense so it definitely makes us appreciate the fans now a lot more um 2020 you know you were definitely confined to your rooms a lot which is which is fine like we got the opportunity to still play and um travel so that was fine but um, obviously that kind of takes a toll on you when you can't see anyone, when you have to constantly be in a bubble. I'm sure everyone felt that way. Yeah. Um, as for my season for 2020, um, I started off really badly and then I started playing really well. I lost in a playoff in a major, um, at ANA that kind of, that really sucked. <laughs> um, and then I got injured at KPMG actually last year. Um, really bad back injury. I had a, a withdraw after the first round, or not really bad back injury, but my whole back went into spasm. Mm. I think I irritated my facet joints, and for like a month or two, um, it was just really irritated. Like I, I couldn't do laundry. I couldn't put on my pants. Like my sister, that after that round, I had to go home, or and I, I had to go see my doctor to just see it. Like, oh my god, what did I do to myself? You know, like I hope I didn't do anything bad. Yeah. And she actually put my pants on. And what I slept in that night is what I traveled in. <laughs> so she put my oh pants my... on. I was like, oh so we can't gosh. get closer than this. Um, no. So a lot of ups and downs. And then um, I came back. Um, I put, My first event was actually the U.S. Women's Open in Houston in December. That didn't really go that well. And then same thing in, I had um, our tour championship in Naples and that really didn't go that well but what can I expect when I just took you know a month and a half off and yeah I just started practicing probably like two weeks ago because I I couldn't hit balls so so definitely kind of made me appreciate in a sense um being able to swing freely a little bit more um taking care of my body so I as I said there was definitely some pros and cons in the year um, but it made me work harder, I guess, going into 2021, making sure that my body was a little better. My always my number one rule is to stay healthy throughout the year because our, our years are so long. Um, we travel a lot, you know, not many people really know our travel. Like we travel by ourselves. I have two suit, big suitcases. Sorry for the profanity. Um, no, sorry. <laughs> big, this is a great, great way to describe the suitcases because yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes, two big suitcases and then a massive golf bag. And who puts who takes that off the carousel? Who puts that all in the car? Me. Like I have to do all of that myself. So you know, obviously, yeah, a lot of girls get injured like that. Um, Jeez. 
so there's a lot that goes into it yes i'm super grateful for the life because i mean it's given me so much too um but yeah um i think it's definitely helped to going into 21 kind of got sidetracked there a little bit. <laughs> no totally no i get it because sometimes it's like the an injury can help you like readjust your perspective and and can kind of just like set you up for a lot of success because you do have the time off you are kind of hungry like there's just a lot that goes into having to come back from from injuries i'm curious kind of touching back on the parents thing so a lot of athletes don't start to optimize their mental game until like later in their career but you obviously had parents who understood like that's probably a very important thing to do at a young age was that something that you did think about when you're younger is that something that your parents helped you with um and is that something that like you like focused on at a young age my mental game um no i think i just had it from a really really young age my parents yeah my parents always i'm like super hard-headed <laughs> i'm a perfectionist too i i don't know i just my parents always refer to me as a lion that's why i like them so much i guess um I don't know. I've, I think I've, I've just had it since a young age. I think it's maybe how we grew up and how I, I don't know. I, I mean, we never really worked on it, to be honest. We just, it's how our parents talked to us. Obviously our parents were a little bit more strict, um, yeah. but I think that's just how we grew up. I think it was just mental toughness was ingrained in us. Yeah, that makes sense. And I feel like in terms of the gene pool, you got a good one and your parents are probably like, you, you got it passed down. It just was innate inside of you. All right, so 2021. As long as I look like my mom, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Shout out to the mom. 2021, Tokyo Olympics. What, that was your first Olympics. What was that like for you? Was it your first? It was your first, right? Yeah, yeah. So going into that, like, what were you, were you excited? Were you nervous? Did you like, is winning a gold medal something that you had always wanted to do? Just give us a little bit of what Tokyo was like for you and winning gold. So I, ever since I was young, like in our family, we loved the Olympics. It was always on. It was like something we always looked forward to when it comes to summer or winter Olympics. We just loved it. Um, I never thought I would have the opportunity to kind of get to go play because 2016 was the first year that golf was kind of mm. that golf was played in the Olympics so I didn't really ha think I kind of had the opportunity you know I kind of grew up focusing more on like the majors while in like track and swimming I'm just using those two sports they play their entire life like they train the entire life to get to that to the Olympics so like I won my major and I was like wow like this is amazing like I've yeah. worked my entire life for this and then obviously after the major that's when I qualified that event is when I qualified for the Olympics and I didn't really know what to expect because you know golf is such an like you don't really get to represent your country so much and I love doing it it's so much fun so like I the thing is with golf is that like we I had a major right before the Olympics as well so it's like I was focusing just on that week. So finally, the week that we, the week of the Olympics, it kind of set in. Like I was flying over to Japan. Like I was unboxing all my USA gear. Like it was super cool. Like I was like, oh my God, like this is insane. Like I have so many clothes. Like what am I going to do with this? Where am I going to put it? <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. But 
um, I got, we only went to the village once, uh, USA Golf. We had a, um, we had a hotel, even though it was still an hour 15 from the golf course, but I got to go to the village once. It was super, super cool. Just seeing all the athletes and obviously, you know, all the flags on the buildings where everyone was staying was super cool. Um, and even going to the cafeteria, we had to keep our masks all uh, on at all times, even outside. Um, there was like cameras everywhere. Um, so that was kind of a little scary, um, yeah. but it was super cool. Um, and then, you know, I think a week or two before the Olympics started, there was, they said that we could have no spectators out and with it being such a big year for golf in Japan, we were expecting a lot, a lot, a lot of fans. So that was kind of like in a sense of bummer that we didn't have the fans there. But there's so many people that volunteered. It was insane. Like there was, I heard there were three to 4,000 people that volunteered. So going down 18, they told all the volunteers, like you can go out and watch. So it actually felt like the last couple of holes that we had um, fans, especially with, um, there was a Japanese girl. Actually, we were tied going into the final hole. So that was really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Honestly, nothing like standing on a podium. I didn't I didn't really know what to think of it. I've just watched it on TV and was kind of envious of the people that, you know, got to compete in the Olympics. But wow, I, there was a huge surge of like emotions going through me once I got to step on the podium. Totally. I I thought it was so cool. Like I remember I, I was like, oh, American, what a goal. Like that's so sick. It was awesome to <laughs> yeah. see that. And it's true. There's nothing like representing your country and, and standing on a podium. Since you turned pro, how much have you seen the game change and grow, would you say? Gosh, I can touch up on like a couple of areas where I've seen it grow. Um, yeah. Obviously, I would say, you know, being in golf is very different from kind of just being an outside, having an outside view, but like the technology in golf has really, really changed over the past five years. Like I just now started getting into all the technology and obviously with um, with COVID too, technology has become a huge, huge part of it um, just to kind of interact with fans. I know um, Cisco actually did a really good job at the US Women's Open this year. We had a couple of fans come out, but even at, in Houston, um, we did on like the first tee you could see kind of um, there was a big board of like people calling in to cheer us on on the first tee, which was really, really cool. And then this year, and I think it was also last year, we had those 4D cameras on one tee, which I think is the first time um, anyone's ever kind of done that. So I think. Yeah, that's incredible. That's kind of aspect of technology that has really changed in golf. And then also I think COVID in a sense was a blessing for golf because it really made a lot of people appreciate it, uh, appreciate it. And, you know, actually girls golf is one of the fastest growing sports. I think in the past couple of years, it's grown by like 300%. So I think just seeing the amount of little kids come out has really changed too. And just the involvement technology of people has been really cool to see over the past like five years. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. And I agree completely. Okay. One last question. We do it every pod. They say work hard, get lucky. How much of your success is predicated on luck? Good question. I always say that it all needs to match up to win. 
you need Ooh. to be lucky and you need to work hard every it, when you win you just you kind of it all has to kind of come together totally can you put a number to it i don't know there's skill too you know you can work yeah. hard but you need to have the skill as well totally. so i would say i mean there's been times where i've gotten really lucky in events but then there's times where I've, i really haven't so i think it's every single time it's different but maybe 30 percent luck you need nice all right cool i love it well nelly thank you for the time this morning it has been awesome to talk to you thank and you. you're you're only 23 you're just getting started i'm excited to follow your career and to watch all of your success in the future so keep crushing it um and yeah have fun at practice later <laughs> thank you i will thanks for having me <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Our show is produced by Just Women Sports. For more great sports content, go to justwomensports.com and be sure to subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I'm Kelly O'Hara, and you've been listening to the Just Women Sports Podcast. Catch you next time.